1: Hey guys, just a quick notice up front that I'm going to be back at the end of the episode to cover some Brit Rush Roundtable news and, in general, our plans going forward. Uh, so if you usually delete the pod as soon as the guys head into outro mode, maybe stick around this time. Or don't. Sure, go. I'm not your mother. Or am I? Hmm. See you on the other side.
0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting
2: network.
3: Roundtable here on Voices of Wrestling. Uh, I'm Oli Cool, and with me is Arn Furious. Hello, and we're going to talk about British and European wrestling because that's what we do best. Yes, it's been really, really hot in Britain. So if you hear any noises from either my or Arn's windows, bees buzzing in or whatever. <laughs> uh, uh we cannot control that it's it's a terrible terrible time if
2: if you hear like a wasp or something around here i I will chase it off i'm not gonna have it disrupting (laughs) the the podcast but like if a motorbike Mm -hmm. goes by i have no control over that
3: yeah we're on we're on pest control here and uh we have three shows planned to talk about from revpro wxw and attack let's talk about some wrestling no more grumpiness uh, so yeah, we'll we'll fire straight into RevPro Live at the Cockpit 17, and uh, I've been doing the live, uh, cockpit re- live at the Cockpit reviews for uh, Voices of Wrestling for the last few months, uh, since the beginning of 2017, I think. Um, and these shows have been low-key really good, like we were talking about how good they were last year, but I think last year they were still a bit exhibition-y and a bit too, you never really know what you, matches are going to be on had, like, the, the odd, next set of shows. The
2: odd guy would really stand out, like Trent Seven. And like yeah. his matches were great yeah. and you get some other matches that were really good, but then you get an awful lot of stuff on those cards that was just filler. Whereas now it's mm-hmm. like they put the cards out and it's like, I mean, looking at this card for 17, you look down the list there and it's like, I don't think I've ever seen any of those matches before. Like and he's gone out of yeah, his way the, to the, find the... like seven unique matches just because just it's the cockpit <laughs> and he wants it to be meaningful.
3: The matches stay fresh, but like the stories have been very consistent this year. Like every every sort of there's sort of been a slot for like each particular wrestler on the card, so like Ginny's match and Eddie Dennis's match, and they've sort of they've kept a consistent theme throughout all the shows of like what this wrestler's been up to. And, like they're they're telling good stories that make you want to come back for more.
2: Yeah, should we take a look at this card? The
3: um Yeah, definitely. 17. Uh we'll start start with uh two imports, actually, and uh, David Starr taking on El Fantasmo, who was wrestling in Britain for the very first time. Um, I'd never seen Fantasmo before.
2: I was under the impression that El Fantasmo has actually moved to the UK.
3: He has, indeed. So, technically not really an import. Yeah,
2: well, not anymore, (laughs) but, like, this is his first match, so he's he's moved to he's going to be here for, like, a year and a half, I think, or a year or something.
3: Yeah, presumably, like, however long the visa is. But, yeah. yeah, like, he's moved from, uh... Vancouver, where he's been wrestling for a decade, pretty much, and like I'd never heard of him because he stayed pretty local there. Um, but he seems pretty good; <laughs> like he'll fit in quite nicely. He, like he's got a good look, if a bit too much like Angelico, um, and has obvious talent, obvious in ring chops. His
2: entrance music has a lot of swearing in it, and <laughs> I did like that. Uh, Andy Croftman was sat down on commentary and goes, "Oh, there's a lot of swearing in this entrance song, isn't there?" Mm, mm. You might get him to change that.
3: Yeah, he might get his own RevPro official entrance theme, <laughs> which is what uh, all the cool kids want these days.
2: <laughs> I don't want.
3: Ah, uh, but yeah, this <laughs> this was uh, like a pretty standard David Star match. I'd say like nothing like out out of the ordinary. Uh, but like that's what you want from an opening match, really. Like he you knows how to heat up a crowd better than many other people well, um, they, went, uh, they went about I, half I and
2: half they kind of started off with a lot of um, lightweight comedy stuff like the, uh, yeah, the yeah. test of strength where he kept moving his hand and um, and then they went into like a, a more like traditional hot opener in the second half with a lot of uh, lot of really tidy spots
3: you gotta have a uh, banter to make it in Britares or at least hang in there with the best of them so I think Phantasmo is off to a, a decent start there like, do, do you see him coming back for any more cockpit shows, or was this just like a, a trial run?
2: Well, I thought he did really well, so I would expect him to come yeah, back. because yeah. that, That's the whole point of these cockpit shows is to to give talent a chance, and if they succeed, then they get invited back. So, like so yeah, I said, with Trent Seven, like his run at the cockpit was like a gradual progression of uh, him coming in, being relatively unknown, which is a bizarre thing to say now, but like this <laughs> at the time, it was true, and Mm-hmm. then sort of getting uh, better and better uh, more high profile matches until he graduated to the York Hall shows um, I'm not sure it'll go that well for El Phantasmo I think for starters, like, his name suggests somebody with like a slightly wacky lucha gimmick but he doesn't have that at all, it's very strange
3: yeah, it's a bit early noughties isn't it? Sort of just some guy coming out but called cool El Phantasmo. <laughs> it doesn't quite work. I, I assume
2: like earlier in his career he was masked and was unmasked. Possibly. I, yeah. I'm just guessing because like I don't really know Canadian graps but uh, <laughs> yeah it's, it seems like a very strange name for like a, a, a normal looking guy to have. Mm, but, mm. Yeah, I dig his entrance though. His entrance is really cool.
3: Yeah it's got the like the Naomi gimmick of like the light up stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, the neon. Yeah, he, he, def- he definitely got something there. I'd like to see him again, definitely. Uh, moving on, like a surprising result as you read it, but I guess once like you see that CCK interfered in the match, it's less so, but uh, Chapman and all the contenders defeating the London Riots. I uh, didn't think this was as good a match as their first match, which they had a couple of cockpits ago, where like the the Young Lions basically really bought the, the fight and basically just got crushed, which yeah. is, is always fun to see. Whereas this was a bit... A bit too evenly matched. <laughs> like I just wanted to see the riots kill them, basically.
2: Yeah, that, it was a little bit botchy as well. Um, yeah, there was yeah. some really untidy stuff in there, which is unfortunate, because uh, I think both these kids are really good. they got a lot of promise, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not just saying that because uh, Josh wolf follows me on Twitter, and <laughs> Curtis Chapman, if you look at his Twitter, he's... Like, um, what do you call it? The banner thing along the top is one of my tweets.
3: Eat a sandwich. That's, Curtis Chapman. that's the one. <laughs> that's like his gimmick now. Yeah, I've, <laughs> they always I've, say it on commentary. I've given Curtis Chapman
2: his gimmick. So,
3: yeah. Yeah. It, but he's good. So you're, you're rooting for them. Yeah, he, I'm rooting for them. I, I think Chapman, is, Chapman has real potential. Like he, he reminds me of a young gets around the room really, really, really Jr. well. That's, yeah, that's, that's a big comparison I was going to make, actually. Big,
2: heavy kicks in there and <laughs> the technical stuff.
3: Yeah, and sort of like the the screaming and the skinniness, and <laughs> you yeah, can yeah. see it.
2: Yeah, they could do an angle where like uh, Zach kind of tutored him or something, and kind of brought him up through the ranks. I could see that working. Then, yeah. then you can have one of them turn, and they fight, and yeah, it work. I'll be okay. With and that. he's still only like eighteen oh, as well, so he has it. a
3: lot of room to grow. Yeah. Uh, like I say this match probably wasn't as good as their previous one which is one I would really recommend um but it sort of sets up riots and their storyline on the cockpit shows which is they're probably going to be chasing the tag belts now with CCK interfering um they've already had a match previously and that was like that was a strong match and very evenly matched so they it seems like they're going to transition the riots from just being like a team they bring in occasionally to being one of like the feature acts in the cockpit
2: The uh, the Riots have been losing an awful lot this year.
3: Mm, Like, uh, putting over everyone. It's
2: the angle in progress, but they seem to be losing everywhere else as well.
3: Yeah. They're an established team, I guess. So, if nobody's like pushing them hard, then they're the ones letting other people get pushed.
2: I I don't think it's going to affect them in any way because they'll always be over. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's weird that they're six months in i don't think they've won a, a single like featured match anywhere
3: mm. uh, next up was cruiserweight championship and josh bodum everyone's favorite wrestler in Rove pro taking on ashley dunn and he kind of just crushed ashley dunn here yeah. I, um, I thought this
2: was too long i honestly thought that because of the different i'm, I'm being serious here that sometimes you need to have them squash matches yeah, because yeah, yeah. Of the difference in uh, like how far along Bodum is compared to Ashley Dunn, who's a relative rookie. He's barely out of the contenders division. It, if You could probably say he's still in it, really. Um, I don't think you can have that that long back-and-forth match. You can have him doing stuff like uh, flash pins because uh, Bodem's all cocky and confident, but you can't have him kick out of the Bliss Buster. That was just
3: ridiculous. Yeah, that was like the first first move of a match, though, so it kind of made sense.
2: Hey, yeah, nah, no, it just shouldn't have been in there. <laughs> they shouldn't have put that in there. Yeah, I think the problem finished. with this
3: match was like it was a little too ambitious. Uh, Ashley Dunn's like a former backyard wrestler, so you kind of kind of see where that ambition comes from. Um, but he's not got that crisp execution yet, like a Will Osprey, to like warrant it. He maybe needs to tone it down a little bit. But I think his selling is, like, through the roof good. I, I think he could definitely be going somewhere with that.
2: Yeah. Well, when you're coming up, that's what you should be good at. You should get that yeah, selling yeah. down first before you can get... And the problem with, with a lot of kids is they don't want to know. They just want to go, I want hit, to hit all my spots, get my shit in. But <laughs> sell... If you get good at selling, if you get good at taking a beating, everyone's going to want to work with you. That's just how it is. Yeah. Like, this is how Jerry Lawler got started because, like, he just got good at being beaten up. He didn't really have he, the dude's got like two offensive moves, but like, he's a legend in, in professional wrestling. He dominated Memphis for like forty years. <laughs> you can go a long way on just being good at selling.
3: Mm-hmm. So I think they're gonna keep done around. Certainly in RevPro, they gave him like the win in the big six man tag they did with all like the junior wrestlers. On the last cockpit show, so they seem to be a little bit enamored with him, so he'll get another go around, I think. Uh, coming up next, I thought was the best match on the show was Donovan Dijak versus Eddie Dennis, and I'm I've really bought into this Eddie Dennis story they're doing. Like I'm not usually a fan of a losing streak gimmicks, but I think like Eddie Dennis is the sympathetic one and like very rootable in that position. Uh, so he makes it work very, very well because he, look... he is so like charismatic.
2: He looked genuinely upset as well that he that he come close to beating Dijak but he couldn't get the win, and it's like afterwards yeah. he's just like ah, oh, I was close, I was so close.
3: Yeah, like, I especially liked the way he hooked up the next up driver. Like it, it seemed like it took like a gargantuan effort to get him up and hit the move, and then it still couldn't beat him, and that, <laughs> like it was genuinely frustrating. Yeah, DiJack's
2: really good as well.
3: Ajak has been fucking good <laughs> yeah, I was, in the cockpit. I was
2: say, with with the storyline, um, they really pushed that on commentary here because they were talking about how Eddie Dennis kind of pandered to the crowd. Whether, whether all this is yeah. is le- kind of leading towards him turning heels to get a win, I don't know. Or whether they just want to have him continue losing until he finally gets a big win and then goes on a push for like trying to win the title or something. Is there, there are ways they can go with it. Uh, I it was between uh, this and the opener. I thought those are the two best matches on this uh, card.
3: Yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed this match. I bought into the Dennis story and Donovan Dijek is having a hugely impressive year. He had a really good match with Josh Bowden on the cockpit before this one. Um, so I don't know if Pro are going to like give him a title match or something, but they definitely could because they have built him up a little bit now.
2: Yeah, I I definitely want to see that. He's good enough to be in that uh, that spot. Um, after this um, match, they threw in a little uh, promo time with uh, Rob Elias. Uh, they had him come out sort of... I'm trying to describe the, the, um, the jacket he was wearing. And <laughs> it looked like he'd murdered the cast of the Muppets and made a patchwork jacket of their pelt.
3: It is it is a bizarre one. I'm not I'm not a fan of his uh post contender gear.
2: <laughs> yeah, so he's what well, he's he's still technically in the contenders division, but he's yeah, like, he's just sort of rebelled. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to come out to that music anymore. I don't want to wear stupid black trunks. So I'm going to wear something even more ridiculous. <laughs> I did like Andy Q's line here though, where he said, "If it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you." That was good stuff.
3: I mean Andy Gue was on fire throughout this show dropping oh uh, when he slid off world <laughs> of
2: sports oh <laughs> it was crazy calling
3: it absolute pish yeah. that that was hilarious <laughs> just, he's he's definitely earned the twittle love. I'll, I'll just say that
2: yeah I've always respected I I think he's the smartest promoter um in the UK
3: like, I mean, the fact that he was booking Pete Dunne versus Yoshihashi, like after the UK tournament, was tremendously impressive. <laughs> Just the amount of like politicking to be able to balance that situation out was pretty, pretty tremendous.
2: Well, he's managed to kind of both get himself in bed with the the most popular promotion outside of WWE in the world in New Japan, but he's also sort of mates with, with WWE as well which I don't. nobody yeah. else is in that spot it's it's like he's everyone's friend it's like oh there's there's Andy <laughs> hey, how you doing mate uh, and everyone has that and he's like
3: univer- universally popular on twitter as well which is <laughs> something almost nobody else in human history has been able to achieve so
2: they'll they'll turn on him eventually they always do <laughs>
3: onto the next match and another one they're building up strongly is zach gibson and yes. uh, he defeated dan helico here i uh, thought this was a better Helico match than his uh showing with jay white uh, against uh, the epic encounter in april um and gibson just keeps putting on like workman like performances like um in universe and out just picking up all wins and keeping on putting on good matches without like having to do crazy spots or anything he's he's draws people in just with the mat work and his character.
2: Is, I think he can do this. The matches that he has, he can do with absolutely anyone, and they'll get over because he's got the heat. Mm. It's like with, with Ric Flair, when he was doing that, that run in the late 80s where he was brilliant against everybody, it's because he was doing the same sort of match because he was bringing the heat, he was bringing all the spots. The only thing the opponent had to do was occasionally like you know, throw him off the top rope, and that's the same here with Gibson. Gibson is just bringing everything that a, a good babyface needs to work with. All they've got to do is is bring their shit and do it properly. And that didn't happen with uh, Hiroki Goto at your call, which I, I was really disappointed in that match. Just Goto just turned up and was like, oh, I'm in the midcard. I'm going to dog it. Uh, <laughs> He kind of had that a little bit again with that Angelico here. I don't think it was a particularly good performance from, from Angelico. Um, I don't know why. But um, yeah, the, the structure of the match and everything and and the heat that was on it was perfect Gibson. And he's probably the most over guy they've got for, for like, yeah. the heel side.
3: They're building him up really well and I think his eventual match with Osprey is going to be really, really awesome. Yeah. And it's going to pay off as well um like how ha- like you say having like a super motivated opponent will do him wonders because then he c- his act gets enhanced even more um and they've built it up really well so i like i hope they do that on summer sizzler and like give it um the stage it deserves
2: yeah i hope it's a summer sizzler as well cuz i'm there so <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh we'll move on to Ginny defeating Nina Samuels. Um Nina Sa- I've never seen Nina Samuels before but she was kind of just the the opponent of the week really for Ginny, who's kind of just taken over um the women's spot in Rev Pro and eventually someone's going to beat her and it's going to be a big deal. I mean, she is, yeah.
2: Yeah, it, this was an okay match. It's um it, it was real sloppy at the start. It took a while for them to kind of uh, gel. Um mm. I don't know who to, to blame that on, really. It's just sometimes you don't click with somebody, it happens. Um, and then it just it got, kind of got progressively better. Um, I, I think Ginny may have gotten the legitimately hurt in this because she took a backbreaker that was just absolutely savage. And she was selling her back for the rest of the match. And I it got to the point where I'm like, is she selling her back or is she hers? But that is... Mm. If it was just her selling, then that's, that really is credit to Ginny because she's made me think that she was hurt, which is the whole point of, of selling is that <laughs> like a lot of the time you, you watch a match and it'll be like somebody's working the leg and I'm, I'm not convinced that the person is injured at all and then they'll do like a springboard off the top rope anyway and it'll be like, yeah, that, was, that didn't mean anything. Whereas this was like, it was a spot that looked vicious and then it set up like a series of, of issues for Ginny afterwards. So if, if that was a legitimate injury, then that was unfortunate. But um, if it was selling, then it was great.
3: Yeah, I thought this match definitely got better as uh, it went on. Uh, I think Nina Samuels was a bit too reluctant to, like, go off-piste on the match a little bit when Ginny was, like, trying to fire her up a little yeah. bit and she just came back with some generic stuff. Uh, so maybe that's something to work on. But I think Ginny Ginny's obviously here to stay in Rev Pro, and uh, they're going to eventually find someone... Uh, to go over her, and that will sort of produce a second top woman. So they're sort of developing uh, a women's division slowly but surely. So it's definitely uh, something to keep an eye on. Uh, We'll move on to the main event now, where CCK, the Chris Brooks and Travis Banks version, took on the brand-new Suzuki Gun team of Zack Sabre Jr. and Davey Boy Smith Jr. And probably secretly Davey Boy Smith Jr. was... um, going off on one <laughs> in his head to Sabre Jr., who, who in his mind, has stolen his G1 spot, but, uh, you know, all smiles for the cameras.
2: <laughs> yeah, but Saber's a far, far better wrestler.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. I, I would totally agree. Dave, like, Davey's Smith is good, but he's really. a bit...
2: Like, he, he got yeah he,
3: he,
2: he had that, like, post-WWE run where it was like, oh, he's going to put the effort in that, that Drew Galloway did uh, and that, mm. like, uh, Chris Hero did, and you thought, oh he's going to be the other the other guy that they've they've let go, and he's like, I'm going to show them and I'm going to get real fucking good and I'm going to go back there and rub it in their face and he kind of went along that route for a little while and then just, he didn't get any better he just kind of stayed at the same level Yeah, and-
3: like Saber's the exciting, new, talented act and Smith's just a bit, same old, same old like, he's still good like, a borderline, but I think, like, he was the fourth best wrestler in this match, so...
2: Yeah. Yeah. I... Just, Davey didn't look that interested in this one.
3: No. <laughs> like, I thought he was a good supporting act for Sabre, like, as working as a heel team, but, uh, like, when he was in the ring himself, like, he was... not dogging it, no, he but, just, he just, <laughs> ran, just being basic. Going through yeah. the
2: motions kind of, um, stuff, which... When you're in a match with other people who try really hard, and especially this is true with Travis Banks, if you're not yeah. like going as hard as he is, then you're going to look inferior. And he did.
3: Yeah, and it was kind of obvious to see. So th- this match was definitely popping off for best when it was Sabre in the ring like with Banks or Brooks. He kind of um, bullied Brooks around a bit and then... Uh, banks tags in or just comes in and saves him with like so much energy and fire, and it's great to see. I think um, the C- this CCK team works just as well as the Brooks Lycos version, and maybe as like a more serious team yeah. I think I, as well. I think
2: I prefer Brooks and Lykos, um, not for any work reasons, but mainly because they they have that uh, that banter, kind of the dynamic there where yeah. uh, that they, they feel like they're related almost. You know what I mean? They have that, that uh, <laughs> like brotherly.
3: Yeah, they're, they're like a family. Deal going on, they got they've got something special going on there. Whereas this is just kind of a tag team, but it's a very good tag team.
2: Yeah, yeah. So so Travis can come in and do all the the spots that Lycos does, but they don't have that that bond. At least I'm not feeling it as as much. But yeah,
3: are still a good. No, tag I, team. I definitely get that. Obviously, the the big moment in this match was when um, Banks and Smith absconded to the back, leaving Brooks and Sabre in the ring. And you're thinking, oh, Brooks is going to get eaten alive. And then he actually makes Sabre Jr. the technical wizard, supposedly, tap out uh, to the octopus stretch. And, like, that's a huge moment, really. And, obviously, it's now set up Summer Sizzler. uh, Probably not the main event, but the title match, at the very least. uh, Sabre Jr. versus Chris Brooks in... Probably Chris Brooks's biggest singles match ever.
2: Yeah, I'm happy for him.
3: Oh yeah, tremendous. It's spot. It, it's, it's going to be a big deal for him. And that's sort of like the opposite match to Rey Mysterio, Marty Skull, which is just like some big dream match. And this is kind of like the, the match more for us, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like more for the the indie fan.
2: Yeah, the people who kind of followed uh, Chris for, for years and have kind of yeah. given a payoff. To, to see him come in and get a big uh, big title match. The um did you think the crowd was a bit subdued here?
3: They usually are in the cockpit. I think that's maybe the one thing I would say bad about the cockpit is kind of the subdued atmosphere. Uh, but uh, usually they heat up towards the end of the show. You know, like usually at the start of the show they'll be a bit quiet because there aren't that many people there. Um, like I think it fits like two hundred people. Um, yeah, you get, it's kind you, of like a.
2: You get like two hundred people at Fight Club Pro, and it's really loud.
3: <laughs> I think it's just like the different atmosphere. It's like a Sunday afternoon rather than like a Friday night, so people are a bit like sleepier. People aren't like that. you have to walk out of the arena to get to the bar, so people aren't as drunk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> simply put, so I think it's a different atmos- Atmosphere certainly, but usually it does heat up, and then on seventeen it didn't really heat up for any of the big matches which i think maybe let down the show a little bit I, I think if you are like a big fan of the atmosphere then cockpit may not be for you but i think like the the focus is on the in-ring stuff it that is the product in the in the cockpit so i think it it, it all depends on what you value more i think i think if you're gonna have like a really like great match i think you need both Either, oh yeah, you need the I, I do you agree need the that, I do agree that you do need the atmosphere, and I think the cockpit can produce the atmosphere at times. I just don't think it's like always there, or if it's like kind of a middling match, people aren't gonna like get out off off out their feet for it.
2: Yeah, it's but given the size and like the the way it's set up, it's the kind of building that I'd love to watch a show in. But at the same time, because of the lack of atmosphere at the shows, I've been like, well, I don't particularly want to go out of my way to to go to the cockpit because I can just watch it on tape, you know. I'm not gonna, I'm not lo- I'm not losing anything <laughs> yeah. by not being there.
3: I think um, like you bring up a good point. This is kind of a product not especially tailored for the live audience. I think it does maybe come across better on VOD. And the show we're going to talk about next, I think. Not it did come across well on VOD, but I think it it would have been like a crazy atmosphere to be there live for, and that show is Attack Press Start Five. We're talking Attack again,
2: yeah. Yeah, we don't get a chance to talk about Attack very often. Um, not very
3: often, though. No.
2: It's it's actually quite rare that we've both seen the same Attack show because it. Uh, yeah. Because you saw the Tag League, uh, not Tag League.
3: Yeah, the, the, Chris, the Chris Travis. Travis invitational yeah. yeah you
2: saw that one but I didn't see it so that ended up not being on a, a run sheet for the for the podcast uh, but we have both seen this one so um, mm-hmm. the theme of it was that um, basically attack had, had glitched and all of the characters were all mixed up and uh, if you have not seen any attack before this show this is not the place to start at all. It'll just confuse the hell out of you. Uh, like nothing will make any sense. Uh, I, a lot of the stuff that I did was really good, though. The um, I don't know if you noticed on the, the VOD, the like the watermark was upside down.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, and like the ring apron was upside down, and the even even the um, the poles, uh, the ring poles were like uh, covered in like the Matrix uh, glitch effect, which are, like just. Small not, small touches to make you sh- see that this show is not gonna be your average show. They put a lot of
2: thought into it, and I, I do appreciate that. Oh yeah, and I knew it was gonna. And be- then,
3: and then at the end, of course, they they like did a, a big sort of reset glitch and <laughs> did special effects for that on the VOD as well, which I appreciated.
2: You could tell it was going to be a good show right from the start when Bolarama came out, and it was Chris Brooks and Kid like Us. Uh, cause chris brooks just walking out doing like the uh lloyd Cat thing <laughs> It just i'm laughing just thinking about it because like his face was just like he's trying to do that, that that ridiculous grin and all the way through the <laughs> match he was like taking the piss out of lloyd Cat. he was doing like moves really slowly and he was looking like he was gassed
3: yeah yeah <laughs> And like w- walking around like a fat guy, <laughs> the whole thing, is <laughs> which crazy. is kind of mean mean to Lloyd Cat for me to call him that, but uh, you know he he's a uh, larger than average. No, like, Chris Brooks was having a whale of a time here, yeah. and I I very much enjoyed Lykos uh, being Splits McPins but wearing the Lycos mask. <laughs> it's just like we can't not wear it. I, I liked that all, the, all the masked characters didn't switch masks, which I found that funny. Like they just kept like it was especially weird for the Love Making Demon match where it was that that was still the love making demon
2: yeah, I'll talk about that one when we get to it, but
3: that was a weird one. <laughs>
2: they, they did a lot of other cool stuff here. They had um Shay was a baby face, he was announced as Chris Roberts and <laughs> the crowd uh, started chanting This Is Normal <laughs> Which uh, I don't know, that just made me laugh. Um, yeah, sorry, I I just realised I said it was Bolarama, but it was it was uh like Brooks and Lycos as Bolarama versus CCK, yeah. which was Lloyd Cat and Splits McBins. It the the work in this match was great because they've worked with each other so many times, they know all all of each other's spots, and they were just picking up on them, all these little details of each other's work and. It, if you if you've seen the, the, this match before or like the other way around the work that they did here was some next level shit. Oh it was tremendous. They um... yeah, it
3: yeah like so much fun uh the CCK um arm matches and like this was obviously the weirdest one they've done and kind of like it was never going to be as good as the last ones they've done but like just a different take on it. <laughs> it was a strange one but a good one.
2: The um the second match on this show was the like ECW uh, tribute one. Uh, Drew parker has been doing this uh, ECW gimmick since he got knocked out in the bingo hall and woke up thinking he was in ECW. Um, so they had three other guys on this show playing uh, like EC Drew characters, which was Sab Drew, uh, the Sand Drew, and the Drew Meanie, and then. Uh, Drew Parker himself came out as Sting <laughs> because it was glitched and he was he was, <laughs> he was in WCW. Um, I have been trying to be kind about Drew Parker's uh, run because I know he's just a kid; he's he's only like eighteen years old, and he's been doing some pretty decent impression work. But some of these matches, these ECW matches, have been like they could have actually have happened in ECW. They're that bad.
3: <laughs> this was just maybe that's why they gave him this gimmick.
2: I, I've got no problem with Drew himself. Like uh, I've seen a lot of his matches where he's out a gimmick and he's he's great. But um, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's time to put this one to bed.
3: Yeah, this was kind of this this one was all about the entrances and just like what what characters can we come up with, and then just the the joke of doing WCW Drew rather than EC Drew. Like <laughs> it's just it's just the uh, continuing this weird storyline in like the only way that Press Start Five could.
2: Yeah, it it was a funny match. I'll, I'll give it points for for being funny, but like. Yeah, yeah. The the work in this was just so bad. <laughs> At least it, they had they had a pretty good finish because um uh, the the Scorpion death locked everybody.
3: Hmm. That was fun.
2: Admittedly fell over attempting it, but
3: yeah. <laughs> well, just like the real sting. <laughs> well, yeah, it was
2: it was an accurate representation, <laughs> a fine tribute. But yeah, a bit of a mess. Um, next up was uh, Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate, and they were the other way around. They'd swapped.
3: Yeah, this is this is what you what you paid to see, basically. This <laughs> was
2: absolute point of the show was Tyler Bates yeah, <laughs> walking out as the bruiser weight and like wearing <laughs> with all the twenty four seven title
3: in in his teeth. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> with a, like the cat tattoo drawn on his knee.
3: Oh, uh, that was beautiful. <laughs> and, and
2: like he got all the mannerisms down absolutely perfectly. Hmm. Oh god!
3: And then ripping off Tyler Bates' mustache.
2: <laughs> See, Pete Dunne, I think he lost a lot of what makes him Pete Dunne when he came out as Tyler Bates. It
3: he—he <laughs> he looks so young, like when he's not being Pete Dunne. Like he looks like a young man, happy with the world. <laughs> <laughs> when Pete Dunne isn't Pete Dunne, he looks like normal and happy. <laughs> But
2: yeah, I, th- I thought Tyler Bate was tremendous in this match. The um, They even put together what I, I would call this a, like a, a really, really good match, even like without the gimmickry. It was just, they, yeah, they yeah. assumed each other's movesets and just kind of went at it. Um, <laughs> uh, the, only, the only major issue that I had with it was that um, there was kind of no finish. Um,
3: For obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, who would win out of those two? I just... I don't know what you'd do. but Yeah, I really enjoyed the match. I really enjoyed uh, Chris Roberts glitching in mid-count.
3: Oh, yeah, that was... <laughs> he played it so perfectly.
2: <laughs> and Pete trying to... Fo- uh, well, Pete as Tyler trying to force his hand down and not being able to do it.
3: No, biting it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then the new anti-fun police came out with um, uh, Mark Andrews, Eddie Dennis, and Flash Morgan Webster, all Mark Andrews is getting tricks. properly
3: into it, and <laughs>
2: they were great. Like, like this
3: brilliant. kind of this kind of show is good for like for guys who never get to play out anything other than a face or a heel. Like, this is their one chance to switch alignments, and like you can tell, like Chris Brooks and guys like that, just absolutely lapping it up.
2: The, uh, the best part about this when they had uh, like Andrews and, and Dennis and flash all come out behind uh, Damien Dunn uh, as like the new anti-fun police Los Federalos Santos jr is like pushing Damien Dunn in his in his wheelchair and his facial mm-hmm. reaction for those three baby faces coming out in the um, in the anti-fun police gear if you haven't seen the show, Go and watch it and watch his reaction. It is fantastic. <laughs> it, I immediately had to go and follow him on Twitter. That was my, that was my first reaction. Was, <laughs> like, I want to know what is happening to this man on a date.
3: I like that everyone switched gimmick apart from Don and Santos. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're immune to... It was too to much this. fun.
2: Switching gimmicks, far too much fun. Yeah, I laughed a lot during this. Like, during during yeah. the match and during the run-in <laughs> at the end, I... Was laughing out loud which is a good sign
3: <laughs> the show is working I think that's what they were aiming for <laughs> um,
2: so that, the show pretty much peaked there but the, the next match after yeah. that was um, uh, Bird and Boar and they swapped round and Mike Bird's wild boar was absolutely perfect like he's, he's been watching him <laughs> from the apron and he's got all the mannerisms down and the, the character and everything Uh,
3: I thought Wild Boar's Mike Bird looked a bit like um, Noah Man. What's his face? (laughs) Quiet Storm. (laughs) (laughs) Noah Man. He was giving me Quiet Storm. Noah (laughs) Man. I thought he was giving me Quiet Storm vibes.
2: I can see that. Uh, So they were up against Eddie Dennis, which was Ryan Smile, and Nixon Neal. I'm not actually sure who that was, but it was a dude.
3: Uh, Kyle Fletcher, it says on Cage Match was, yeah. <laughs> there, were, there were a couple of people who I didn't recognise on the show, clearly I haven't been watching enough attack
2: Yeah, Kyle Fletcher, I've heard that name uh, Somebody was pimping him out on uh, on the Twitter as being uh, one to watch And I can't remember who it was. It might have been Chris
3: Brooks. He, he got um. He got a very strange Nixon Newell down <laughs> with his uh very feminine screaming.
2: Yeah, I. I wasn't keen on on Ryan Smiles Eddie Dennis, but. Um, I, I, also... I did
3: enjoy when he tried to pick up um both of Bird and Ball and just completely I failed. Just fell over. You.
2: he's in strong. <laughs> um. I'm not sure what the gimmick stipulation on this match was. Was it supposed to be like a? It's like a table match.
3: Yeah, this was like um like a Mario level because w- at one point um, Asbird Asbird picked up a like a one up health heart and yeah. gave it to the referee and somehow like redeemed energy or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what was going on here. And they eventually won by sending um, Dennis and Newell Smile and Fletcher through uh. The boxes on ringside, so it was some sort of Mario thing. I, this is, I'm not entirely sure. This is the point <laughs> what where I could was. have
2: done with some kind of commentary, just telling me what was happening. Yeah, I'm sure it's really obvious to somebody, but it wasn't obvious to me. Um, next match of that was uh, Love Making Demon versus Elijah, and they they'd swapped gimmicks, and I've never seen Elijah as anything apart from like. A really angry guy <laughs> and his like version of the lovemaking demon uh, even had Shay Purser just breaking in the middle of the match and just like laughing because <laughs> he, was, he was grinding on uh, on like the actual lovemaking demon and just that sent him over the edge.
3: This was like probably the most bizarre <laughs> uh, gimmick switch match like I say because of a making demon was still wearing his mask as Elijah, and then Elijah playing the love making demon without the mask, <laughs> and obviously just the the insanity of what they were doing. <laughs> it was it was a lot to like comprehend and compute.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was that kind of show.
3: Um,
2: it was it was very strange. But to be honest, I remember when we were in Germany and and uh, Christian Jacoby said he really liked attack because they yeah. did their own thing this is the most attack show that attack have ever done
3: <laughs> i i can see that yeah y- you have to know at least what attack do and some of the characters in it to get it and obviously it is it is a show just entirely based on one gimmick <laughs> it's it's not gonna be for everyone and, like, even like, I was stumped a couple of times, and this match was probably the one that stumped me the mo- most. But, like, it is just sheer fun, and, like, they throw themselves into it with such gusto. Um, so, and, like, there's nothing else like it.
2: I was a big fan of. Uh, if, move on to the main event. Uh, we had the Anti Fun Police, which was Mark Andrews, Eddie Dennis, and Flash Morgan Webster against the Construction Brothers <laughs> the, uh, and <laughs> Mark Andrews. Which was Travis Banks.
3: I think this is my favourite gimmick switch. <laughs>
2: Travis Banks absolutely
3: slayed me in this. What he's
2: he was like walk he did like the skateboarding around the ring and as he was walking past the front row he just said, I'm from Wales <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a band. <laughs>
3: I mean that that's how you, that's that is that is something Mark Andrews would say.
2: Yeah, you know, but I think Mark Andrews might have outdone, it, like, his own copycat by telling him to go back to TNA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was a fun day to be Mark Andrews. <laughs> Either one of them.
3: This match um, probably had my favourite spot of the whole show, which was Jim and Lee, the brothers of construction who have recently gone over to the dark side of no fun. Um, and here, obviously, with the gimmick switch, they went they reverted back to being the Construction Brothers, and it was put upon them to set everything okay, um, by inserting the Press Start 5 disc into the GameCube to reset, uh, Attack, which was inside the GameCube, I suppose. Also, I I was thoroughly enjoying everyone holding the Nintendo GameCube handle, which is, like, it's spe- special defining feature, according to Nintendo. Um... <laughs> <laughs> just on a personal level, I enjoyed I enjoyed the video game console with a handle gimmick. Um, but um, Jim and Lee obviously were faced with an ethical dilemma, which was embraced by the crowd. <laughs> and eventually, they opted for the 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 good the good and true thing to do, which was to reset uh, the system and Even turn it... themselves back to no fun. Yeah.
2: yeah, I I love the fact that just before they repaired it. um they they shouted out, we fix things, that's what we do. It was just like...
3: <laughs>
2: it, was it was beautiful. Perfectly in character. It was, it was delightful.
3: And then the screen went fuzzy, and Pete Dunne, or not Pete, uh, Damien Dunne, died in his chair, <laughs> seemingly. And everything reset back to normal, with uh, the face team coming out as themselves, and pinning... Um, the now evil Brothers in Construction. I like that they switched the, the, the colour of their trousers from red and green to then black when they were part of the anti-farm police. <laughs> they found the time to do that.
2: Yeah, this is a very surreal show. I, I enjoyed it a lot. When you watch a lot of wrestling, it helps if a company does something completely off the wall and different because yeah. it, it really stands out. It's like we were talking about that cockpit show at the start. At the end of the year, I'm not going to remember that cockpit show at all. Um, yeah, that's no offense to Red Pro. They they will put on better shows than that. Uh, they'll put on more memorable shows than that. Attack are putting on the kind of shows where, there's something happens on the show and that I it's always going to stay with me. And at the end of the year, I will still remember this this ridiculous West <laughs> Start vibe show.
3: Yeah, you're not gonna forget um Dun and Bait swapping gimmicks anytime soon because like they're sort of the people of the moment right now. Um and <laughs> just for them to throw themselves into a show like this with and have probably like the most surreal match on the show, um is just excellent to see. And like it shows that people like believe in attack as like a concept.
2: Yeah, I love it. Oh dude. That attack just don't give a fuck. They really don't. <laughs> like,
3: That's what you want. Yeah,
2: I, just, I want more promotions like that. I uh, recently watched um, uh, one of um, Anita's retirement tour matches, and it was a uh, it's like a six man tag, and they had uh, an electrical blast baseball bat gimmick going on, and Bob Sapp was in it. Um, I want stuff like that to happen because it's like you want the weirdness because it stands out Mm -hmm. and I can see why WWE do what they do so often by just throwing completely off the wall shit out there and like putting titles on Jinder Mahal because it's like, it's memorable. (laughs) It's like putting on, putting on a load of great matches one after another isn't memorable. It's just the right thing to do. So yeah, I I appreciate companies that try and do different things because I watch a lot of wrestling and I want alternatives.
3: An attack is that. Yeah, I d no I definitely agree with that. You've got to have different kinds of promotions out there, an attacker doing something uh very, very different and very, very cool right now. Uh anyway, we have a new heel stable in WXW on. It's Rise. Rise. And Chris Colon is not a happy man, so he's decided to enlist uh some GWF boys to come and take <laughs> over WXW. I, what do we think of Rise? Well, I
2: thought Colin was turning heel anyway because he, he'd just been looking increasingly frustrated with uh, Francis Casper uh, over the past couple of months. It was just, it felt to me like, like Colin's always been it, better as a heel because he just looks like an asshole. It's like, if you're, <laughs> you, he's pre-genetically determined to be a heel, just look at him. Yeah. He just, he looks like a heel. Um, yeah, so he's brought in these, these boys from, um, from outside the company, giving it kind of a, I don't know what will say if it's like an NWOE type vibe, but it's, it's, yeah, it's guys that you don't really recognize and they've come in and, and invaded. Um, I think where it's kind of run a bit cold for me so far is that I don't think any of them are particularly like outstanding at professional wrestling. Like if I had to pick, yeah, the I best think one, there's it...
3: there's not one um, there's not one guy who really stands out above the others or like a guy who's obviously there, like designed to get over within the group. Um, but like as we're going to talk about on this show, I think Ivan Kiev like really showed up and he wasn't the best guy in his match, but he certainly contributed to it to make it a really awesome match.
2: Yeah, well, how, how did you feel about Colin and uh, Francis Caspian because that was the opening match? Obviously, yeah. obviously Colin had to win there.
3: Yeah. It's I right. no, I did think this was a good match. Um it it was a little bit not like a blood feud, but it it did deliver pretty solidly. Like I don't think Chris Collins ever going to be like a main event guy. Uh they're giving him a little push here and I think that that is good and obviously the, the big reason behind Rise as a concept is obviously Axel Dieter Jr leaving and sort of having to end that ring cap ring camp story pre- prematurely. Yeah, it sucks. So they're sort of going in a different direction here, bringing in a lot of new guys, see what Throw a lot of stuff at we'll see what sticks. I think that's a really good idea, and they've executed it really well so far. Um, like these guys do feel important within the hierarchy, and obviously we'll have to see who delivers and who like stands out and who stays in WXW for like uh, the long term. But so far, it, I, I've I've enjoyed it. I th- I thought we're obviously gonna be talking about this Hamburg show that they put on on uh, WXW now, and I thought rise as a group really show, show, showed through here um chris colin himself i don't think he is going to be a main eventer or anything but i, I thought he was solid here i think they can keep doing more colin caspin matches if they want to do that if they want to keep the feud going i think that'd be a pretty good thing
2: i think they're going to push like one of the this group over the rest at least short term i think it's
3: eventually it's colin, yeah. i think um
2: because the others are not really at his level Um, don't have his experience, um, don't have the chemistry that he has with, uh, people who are already in WXW. So I think if, if I had to pick one of them that was going to get pushed first, then I'd say it'd be Colin. And it depends what they want to do with the, with the group as to how well he does. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that they're doing something different, which, uh, which I appreciate. But it, like you said, it really is a shame that the the wheels came off the the ring camp thing because it was great.
3: Yeah, definitely.
2: Lightning in the bottle that was.
3: Yeah, like <laughs> the whole thing from start to finish, but did not last very long. Like pretty much from Tag League to Sixteen Carat.
2: Yeah, that was great. Oh well.
3: Uh, we'll move on to Kim Ray defeating Pete Bouncer, another new guy in the Rise group. I thought it was kind of odd that they would have any one of the Rise guys lose so early in like a prominent position, and Kim Ray isn't really doing it for me right now as a as a babyface. I thought he was quite a lot better as a heel, um, but obviously with five new heels on, on that side, it m- may be a bit more difficult to slot him in there, so for now he's just kind of not floundering a little bit, but just kind of staying in his lane a bit.
2: Yeah, well, I don't think Kim Ray's ever going to be, like, a, a top-tier guy. He's just
3: no. like, somebody who throws a lot of kicks and
2: does some plucky comebacks. I'm, I'm okay with that.
3: <laughs> what did you think of Bouncer, huh? Uh... <laughs> I think he's definitely the the rise the who stands out least so far.
2: Yeah, he's he's fairly experienced he, he looks fine uh, he's like six foot tall so at least he's got that stature going for him his bumps were good um, but yeah just like everything that he was doing here as a heel was just straight out of the like the, the heel playbook from when heels were invented it there was mm. nothing new at all it was it was all so generic it just it bored
3: me frankly <laughs> should we move on man
2: <laughs> yes let's
3: <laughs> uh one of the more two of the more featured guys in uh rise are T- Tarkin aslan and lucky kid the young lions who uh actually like started the rise group when they beat um a4 a4 for the tag titles and I I did enjoy the like the the little snippet of a promo that Bad Bones had with A Four, Absolute Andy, and Marius Alani, who sort of formed the WXW Dad <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, Stable, <laughs> um, and Andy's they were bad sort bad of money. like, yeah, but he is he is still a he's still a dad, <laughs> he still counts. I think he's a literal dad. Um, he is a literal dad. <laughs> so, so until you th- dragon off, they enough, was... should put him in the <laughs> put him in the dads um that they were sort of banding together against rise and it was like a cool cool scene of them all shaking hands and being very formal and dad <laughs> <That's what laughs> like so i like to see and bad bones has sort of adopted alpha kevin um as his tag partner after the uh, short feud they're sort of trying to make him a bit more concentrating on the wrestling and it's it's an interesting story to follow along with and here they lost to Aslan and Kid. Uh, this was the only one where it was like copious interference by Rise, and I don't really want to see that happen too much. Um, I did really enjoy the um, the imagery of them sort of busting in on Bad Bones like behind the scenes and just tearing them apart like five on one. I think that is where like this the, this numbers game should be used in like the the backstage segments the promos rather fair. than. During, the, during the match,
2: when they were doing uh, work, uh, like like the um, heel numbers game stuff, they were doing it very well. They were concealing, oh, they yeah. were concealing the cheating properly, which is something that... <laughs> Not it, like Taiichi. Oh, fuck, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> yeah, in modern wrestling, uh, especially in Japan, the heels just don't bother to cover up the cheating. And it's like, well, what's the point? Then you're breaking the rules that we've established here. Mm. That's a disqualification. Why is it not happening? It's you're losing the logic out of it. You can seal that cheating properly, like these boys did in this match, and you're going to get a lot more heat for it. Definitely, because you're cheating and you're being like sneaky about it as well. You're getting like a double whammy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think like the Young Lions are like a established team in GWF, so they like n- they know how to do it, um, and very good choice as tag champs to sort of put some instant legitimacy on rise. Um, and yeah, they 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 they'll have an eventual rematch with a Four. I think we're gonna go through the card of Shortcut to the Top after this, um, if you want to. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's confirmed yet, but I would imagine that's gonna be on there.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen the uh, the card. I just know it's the... Um, the shortcut to the top match is like the Royal Rumble match for, for WXW. Yeah, yeah. I considered going to Germany to watch this because I'm not at work and I was going to go to the airport anyway because I'm like flying out to the Philippines the day after. And then mm. I thought, I probably shouldn't do that because I'm flying out to the Philippines the day after. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the thought was there, I was like, yeah, let's go to Germany yeah, yeah, for the day, yeah. watch progress in the afternoon, and shortcut to the top, but no.
3: I thought it was a good idea to start this show off with uh, three rise matches in a row, just like really establish that they're a threat and like a presence in the roster now. Um, so we're going to move on kinda, to kinda the, worked, the first...
2: would have worked better if that peak bouncer match hadn't been so shit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Uh, we'll move on to the, like the first non-rise match on this Hamburg show, which was for the shotgun title, and obviously they were playing up uh, David Starr's big run in the US with it, uh, defending it everywhere in like loads of promotions and being Mister Shotgun, then losing it obviously at Sixteen Carat Weekend, and Anhelico sort of trying to take up that mantle here and obviously beating David Starr in the match and sort of defining himself as like the legitimate shotgun champion. After Star lost it,
2: yeah, this this was an Angelico that actually gives a shit. Like comp- comparing <laughs> like uh, this Angelico to the one that wrestled in uh, the cockpit, there's a, a massive difference.
3: Um, yeah, I definitely agree. I don't know if
2: it's because they have wrestled before, so he has that kind of that respect for for Star and and what he does, and they've got that chemistry already. Uh, I don't know if that's why or whether it's just because he's the champion, he feels he has to bring more um but yeah he, he was really good here star was great um some of the bumps in this were just tremendous and, and the timing was awesome it's a really good match
3: yeah this is one of the two matches on this show that i would say you should definitely go out and watch um yeah just like very high level stuff from both guys david star's having a really excellent year yeah yeah definitely. um like just i don't I, haven't, I don't think i've seen him have a bad match yet <laughs> like he has he has a very high floor um like he's always very entertaining and like you say angelico uh meshed with him very well the bumping all around by both guys was ridiculous and like really got the hamburg crowd going for this one
2: yeah i enjoyed this a lot I thought this is a uh, best match on the card
3: uh, the next match I thought was the best match on the card, and it was like a big upset uh, for Ivan Kiev, the fifth member of Rise on this show, defeating Volta. And obviously, if you defeat Volta in WXW, you're you're there, you're in the mix. He's like the gatekeeper for legitimacy. And I thought, like, the, just the energy that Volta delivers in all of his performances is so infectious. Just the way he was, like, getting the crowd behind him, like, Ushering their strength to put away Kiev and then uh, being unable to do so, whether that was him um, overlooking Kiev or just like being surprised by him, I thought it worked really well. Uh, I don't think Kiev is amazing. I he was a bit ungainly in his execution of stuff and like maybe a little bit plodding. I'd probably
2: use the word sloppy, but um, the the fact that it was still a really good match, even though Kiev isn't very good. I think that is testament to how great Volta is at the moment. <laughs> Look, the fact oh, that you yeah. can go out there and just take anybody and just have the like the broomstick match with them. Um,
3: because I wouldn't go so far as to say Kiev is a broomstick. I thought, yeah, but that's, I that's thought what he though. brought like, something here. Like
2: every match, <laughs> <laughs> every match Volta has it has that quality to it. And it doesn't matter who he's yeah.
3: wrestling.
2: I, I legitimately believe you could put any professional wrestler in the world in there with Volta and it would be a good match just because his offense is so good that it's it's always going to be a good match. It's just yeah. so entertaining. The the only thing I didn't like about this match was that uh Kiev won because it felt that um that Volta was just so superior to him in the ring that it just didn't make sense when he lost.
3: Especially as like he I think
2: he just took a pasting
3: for I the whole match. I think they were trying to um I think they were trying to get over the fact that Kiev is like the Iron Man of the Rise group and like isn't gonna take a loss lying down. Um Time will tell. For, like if he if he can have a few more good matches with guys who aren't Volta, if you can like have, have a good good resume, then they, they may be able to push him as like the breakout star of the group. From, from the I he think he does took, have like, that potential it's like
2: but he took such a beating in this match that he would have gotten over if he'd have lost. He didn't need to win. Yeah, even uh, from a point of view of like a new heel stable, it's like they've sent him out there against Volta and he's he's hung with him. He's got beat, and then next time round they can kind of cheat a little bit and get get him the big win. Yeah. And I'd have been fine with that. No, That's story. I,
3: I, so I definitely see that.
2: Yeah, I was I was a little bit upset that they kind of they put him over, and now it's like well, now it's like he doesn't need that that help to get over like a, a big star, so. What's the point in them being in, in the heel group if they're not going to use the heel group at all? It, just, it's, it was just a bit strange to me, the the booking on that, but I'll have to see where it goes, I guess.
3: Yeah, I do get that. Uh, one of the bigger matches that they've been building to for a while now on uh, Shotgun is uh, Bobby Guns versus Demac. Loser leaves ha- town. Loser leaves Hamburg. Quite literally, loser leaves town in that the loser would never be able to wrestle on the Hamburg shows ever again and like they played up that Mac was from Hamburg and I presume there's some sort of Manchester-Liverpool esque rivalry between Hamburg and Bremen because Bobby Guns was waving around yeah. his the, the Bremen flag
2: that's um I believe it's called the Nord Derby it's um like the, the two teams that are from northern Germany that are like the highest in the uh the Bundesliga. Yeah. So that they're the, the rivals a like, lot, like you say, Manchester and Liverpool would be a good comparison.
3: There was also an odd moment here where uh, Demac accosted Bobby Guns in the shower, presumably naked. <laughs> like homoerotic undertones in this one.
2: Accosted. Why? Uh,
3: yeah. Accosted. <laughs> and also, the story was built around Bobby Guns sort of claiming that he'd had sex with Demac's girlfriend while he was participating in the Cruiserweight Classic, which uh, I kind of like Bobby Gunn's just sleazeball act. Like, there's just nothing redeemable about him. Oh, yeah, he's an asshole.
2: thing is, like, <laughs> I, I know I've said several times that I don't like Bobby Guns, but I, it's getting to the point where me disliking him is more because he's, he's a heel than because I don't like him as a wrestler. So that means he's doing all right.
3: Be- I think he's good enough as a wrestler to, like, let his... He'll act shine through without like having to worry about wrestling like he isn't a very good wrestler but like he's not a terrible wrestler like Taichi <laughs> uh, um
2: yeah uh, it has got to the point where I cheer loudly for, for Bobby Gunn's losing which mm. that's usually good I would say
3: yeah, and this match had a lot of heat for it. Like people were getting really behind the Mac as the hometown guy. And I thought that they ended up having a really good match. Like this was the best match they've had together. And probably one of the best matches either of them have ever had. Um like neither have incredibly strong resumes as singles guys anyway. Um so I thought this was this was definitely like a good payoff to all the build they've done for it.
2: So with the the Mac losing here, is this just part of an angle to have him wrestle again, to to have to win the right back to wrestle yeah. in Hamburg, I,
3: I would assume so. Or I feel like is, if he's gonna stay around, is he leaving? Yeah. I we don't know really. Um, I ha- haven't heard anything of like rumors of him moving to the cruiserweight division of WWE, well, which obviously yeah they, he hasn't. In for they
2: did the angle um on Shotgun where uh like he's got his phone. And like you can see over his shoulder, and he goes to delete uh, like Axel Dieter Junior's phone number and doesn't, mm. and then he goes to like <laughs> uh, Axel Tisha um, Alexander Wolf, goes to delete his phone number and doesn't, and then he goes to uh, like Volta and deletes Volta's phone number off his phone. So they're
3: they're definitely playing an RP if even if it isn't gonna happen.
2: Yeah, st- something's going on there so but it's it's making me interested in, in whatever they're going to do so that, that's good
3: and then we'll move on to the main event for the unified title uh and simmons beating emil Satochi and you know yern simmons would have been fired up for this one because uh Satoshi was the guy who like got him interested in wrestling in the first place so being able to have a main event match with him would have been a big deal for him
2: yeah like the first uh wrestling he saw on tv was it was emil Satochi wasn't it i remember him saying that in the uh Uh, Like the press interviews in in Germany for Carrot, Um, they did a pretty decent job of building Satoshi up, but I really don't buy him as a as a threat. Even though they had him beat him with a a Spanish Fly in a tag match before, I I was still looking at it going, there's no way he's winning here. But then it is basically just a tour (laughs) main event, so.
3: Yeah, that's the thing you have to remember with this show is that it wasn't like one of the marquee shows yeah. they call them. I think um, it just came like the 16 carat and shortcut. It just came
2: off so well that they they put it out on um, on Wx yeah, Now yeah. it's like this is a really good show. Watch it. So um, yeah, and I agree <laughs> with the sentiment. I think uh, the vast majority of this card is really, really good.
3: Yeah, that, I thought the main event was pretty good as well. Like, I'd, Probably nothing I'm ever going to remember at the end of the year. But I, I think um, for sentiment, certainly, Jürgen being able to have this match with um, Emil was probably important to him. And I thought Satoshi did a good job of appearing legitimate, even if like in the back of your mind you always knew that yeah, he's probably not going to win. Like, um, They did build up the Spanish Fly, and they hit that move, and it was a pretty good near-fall and people were really into it. and it just It's a testament to how Simmons has grown as the guy in WXW, because if they had had this match last year, I don't think it would have been any good, and they managed to do something that was enjoyable.
2: Yeah, that's fair. The, um, the only thing I didn't like about the match was uh, they had a fan angle in it. Oh, yeah. Which I don't like fan angles at all. It's it's practically inviting your audience to do something stupid. It doesn't matter how many times you, you announce like don't touch the wrestlers, don't go, throw things yeah. into the ring. If you have an angle where one of the fans attacks a wrestler, you're giving people ideas. You're giving drunks st- ideas for stupid things to do, and I just I never like it. Yeah. Even also though... it just
3: doesn't look as good as like I don't re- I don't know why Marius couldn't have just uh run in and attacked him like I don't, I don't see why he had to be all dressed up and hidden. <laughs> like we could have just done a ref bump and had Van Beethoven smack Simmons over the head.
2: Yeah, and that, it's not the first time they've done it as well. They they seem to be keen on on having plants and and and, and stuff and I just I don't like any of that. Like anytime you encourage the, the fans to be physically involved in, in the match is just asking for trouble. So, but yeah, the, that aside, I thought it was a very good match. And like you said, Jern Simmons as, as champion has been just a, a string of, of successes. Like, considering. Like mm-hmm. we, were, we were really on this guy's case even like a year ago. And the improvements he has made have been massive.
3: <laughs> well done, <all>. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll run down the announced Shortcut to the Top card they've got so far. Uh, it's going to be main evented by Ian Simmons defending the Unified title against the Avalanche, Robert Dreisker. Okay. Uh, and I think that may work very well be a title change there.
2: Yeah, it's kind of hard to see what they're doing with Dreisker because it's like they push him really hard, and then they ease back again, and then they push him hard yeah. <laughs> and ease back, and it's just like, wait, are you, are you like put him in as a main guy or not? And they're just they're just not quite sure. It's like, I get the feeling they're kind of holding off and holding off because they they want to time it right. So yeah,
3: yeah. and I think this might be the time to shit instead of getting off the pot. Uh,
2: well, if they do switch the belt, that's not how
3: that goes, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I got it, I got it.
2: Uh, if they do switch the belt, then they've got Dragunov lined up for a title shot. That could be who he beats for the title, it would make sense, because he's beaten him before.
3: Mm. Uh, the shotgun title is a freeway, uh, and Helico defending against David Starr and Emil Satoshi, the last two champions.
2: They like doing that. That belt changes hands a lot.
3: It does indeed. I think they might be looking to like establish Angelico a bit more if they've like confirmed dates or whatever. I've, I've
2: thought that before with with certain people. Yeah, <laughs> and then lose it on the next show. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see.
3: And then a huge singles match: Ilya Dragunov versus Matt Riddle.
2: Oh, that's gonna be good. <laughs> You just reminded Yeah, me that, that, that was sort
3: of the match the match we were all like looking for at sixteen point, carat but never happened. But the
2: point at which I considered going to this show was when they announced that one. They announced that's happening and <laughs> I was like, Oh, I'm gonna go. <laughs> Screw it. I'm gonna go anyway. And then kinda of taught myself. <laughs> and
3: then it. of obviously the Royal Rumble style shortcut to the top match. Um the announced talent so far in alphabetical order, thanks Cage Match. Uh, is Absolute Andy, Alexander James, Alpha Kevin, Angelico, Helico, Bobby Guns, The Mac, David Star, Dirty Dragon, Emil Satochi, Francis Caspin, Ivan Kiev, Bad Bones, Kim Ray, Marius Alani, Marius Van Beethoven, Pete Bouncer, Walter, and everyone's favourite, Young Money Chong.
2: <laughs> well, um, he's one of the GWF guys as well, isn't he? Um,
3: yeah, Young yeah. Money. And then I think there's about uh ten or so unannounced guys, so there's plenty of room for uh special well, guests into the progress shortcut to are the top.
2: running a show in Germany the same day. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if all ten of the guys were people who wrestled for progress.
3: <laughs> wouldn't be surprised. Certainly a possibility, yep. yeah. And riddle of and And yeah. that, that's Quite possibly, so that's uh like WXW's next big show, uh and like one of their first big shows since Sixteen Carat. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they do put over Avalanche and uh he's never held that title before, so it'll be interesting if they do finally pull the trigger.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Like I said, I almost went to Germany for it. So, <laughs> Fired up. indeed. It's got to be better than their last. Um... Uh, major show it was the um, the Superstars of Wrestling show, which had uh, a Buff Bagwell match on it. That was atrocious. <laughs>
3: it was. So That's bad. why we didn't talk about it on here. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> but if we did, it would have been me slagging off Buff Bagwell for, for an hour. <laughs> so bad. Apparently, he's going to retire. I thought he retired about fifteen years ago.
3: <laughs> he no longer has the stuff.
2: No, definitely not.
3: Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, or should we get out of here? Uh, let's get out of here. Uh, anything you want to plug on?
2: Uh, well, you can uh, go over to rearviewreviews.com uh, to read the majority of my work. I also stuff at Voices of Wrestling, and you can follow me on Twitter at Arnold Furious.
3: And you can follow me at another Ollie. Um, the Live at the Cockpit 17 review that we uh, talked about earlier. Um I've just written that and it's gone up on Voices of Wrestling uh, just as we're recording, so you can read that and also check out my Euro notes in the w newsletter every week. It's Alan Forrell approved. Gotta <laughs> be good. So yeah, um, I believe next time we're coming at you. It's gonna be the Euro draft, so Ooh. get excited for that. <laughs> because uh, last year that was one of my favorite episodes we've ever done so I think revisiting our old rosters and redrafting it, new ones it was long. Uh, expect it was long <laughs> it's a marathon one uh, but it's definitely fun and expect pss, expect kid uh, that guy Ethan Silver to be up a bit more on our boards this year
2: Probably I'm gonna have to look to see what uh, who was drafted last year because I remember some of it. And I know I made a couple of really bad choices, but I made some really good ones as well, so...
3: Yeah, I think that'll be the most fun, is, like, see, like, pointing at ev- everyone's embarrassing picks.
2: <laughs> we, we should do a quick, um, like, pre-podcast podcast where we talk about last year's.
3: Yeah. Uh, now, that'll be good to name and shame <laughs> whoever oh picked. Uh. <laughs> this has me
2: really worried now, because I can't remember who I actually picked. <laughs> um. But I I have it so, yeah. somewhere because um, Rob shared the the rosters with me on um, like a, a Google sheet or something. So
3: mm.
2: I can always look it up beforehand.
3: It, it's hovering around the internet somewhere. So yeah, I've been on Court. He's been on Furious. Um, we'll see you next time. Bye. Good night. <laughs>
1: Hello again guys, uh, back again as promised at the start of the episode. Actually, if you're a newer listener, you may have absolutely no idea who I am. So I should probably introduce myself. Uh, I'm Robin Reid. Uh, I used to be the host of this show, but I've slipped back into a producer-slash-editor role, uh, with the occasional guest appearance when I'm needed. Uh, I run the European side of Voices of Wrestling, so any complaints you have about that? Probably my fault. So with that out of the way, I just wanted to say thank you to each and every one of you who listens every week, or every time we put an episode up, Not quite every week, but, you know. Uh, we're blown away by the numbers this show does and um, want to keep Joe growing the show more and more. So, as part of doing that, we're going to be moving to a more regular schedule. Um, from now on, uh, touch wood, uh, the Brit Rest Roundtable will be coming out on a bi-weekly schedule every Monday. Well, every other Monday. Which is what bi-weekly means. Nice. Uh, there may be the occasional exception, but uh, we're really going to try to stick to that. However, uh, so much happens in Britrest these days that a bi-weekly schedule is only just enough to cover it, uh, A missing an episode would be a real problem, because we get behind and, you know, you, we want to cover uh, all the major events in Britrest and monthly would not be enough to do. That said, uh, we like to occasionally do the episodes that change up the formula a little, we are not just running through um, upcoming or shows that i've just finished some examples of these are our tour episodes with the interviews like we did with the 16 carat uh the britties which are uh, our uh year-end award episodes um and the euro draft uh, that we did last year with ian when we do do an episode like that though uh, we're going to be placing it in a week between two regular episodes uh, so for that little period we'd be going weekly uh, that way we wouldn't get behind on uh, the wonderful world of brit rest does that make sense? Um, probably wasn't explained too well. Uh, oh well, you're smart people, you'll figure it out despite my best, episode, my best efforts to ramble and be confusing. Basically, expect a round Roundtable every other Monday. Apart from sometimes, it'll be every Monday. Get it? Got it. Good. As for the near future, here's what we got planned. Next Monday, I'll be joined by Ollie to revisit the Euro Draft we did last year, and with the benefit of hindsight, trying to decide who won. Uh, we'll set up some sort of like, thing for you guys too, too, because um, you guys are far better impartial judges than we are. Then the Monday after that, we'll be back to a regular episode. But I think Arne is away for that, so I'll probably be stepping in to talk uh, British J Cup with Ollie. Um, we'll both be at that too, so if you're you're going, make sure to say hi. Uh, then two weeks after that, I will be back for another regular episode. And then the Monday after that, which I think will be the 31st of July, if I've got my dates right. Strong possibility I haven't. Uh, but if I do, uh, we'll be then looking to do our second Euro Draft, backed by popular demand, with myself, Ollie, Arne, um, and two mystery guests. I was about to say their names there, but I haven't actually asked them yet, so I probably shouldn't reveal who they are before they've agreed. Yeah, that'd probably be smart. So yeah, that just about wraps things up on this overly rambly announcement bit at the end of the episode, which has gone way too long, but you know, that's, that's why I stepped away. I'm way too bad at rambling. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Monday. Oh, and congrats to the best boys for winning all them battles, all of them.